The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at buffalorumblings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. We do have a new show on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network I wanted to talk to you about. It's called Not Another Buffalo Podcast, and I think they inject some really nice humor into the Buffalo Bills conversation, so make sure you give their debut episode a download and listen uh, over on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network on whatever podcast app you use. For our show, though, you can call in and ask your questions at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at Rumblings Q and A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can send us emails, Buffalo Rumblings at SBNation.com. Uh, Facebook and Instagram messages will get their way to me as well. Lots of ways to get in touch with the show. The Bills are on a bye week this week, but we had plenty of questions asked after the loss to the Tennessee Titans. And of course, watching the Titans thwomp the Kansas City Chiefs over the weekend, it looks um, better and better for the Bills. Because as I said last week, I think if the Bills and Titans play 10 times, the Bills are winning eight or nine of them. Um, at no point during that game did I think the Bills were going to lose until they failed on that fourth down conversion. Um, everything had to go perfectly for Tennessee to win that game. They scored on every single drive they had in the second, third, and fourth quarters. They had an interception off of a knocked Josh Allen arm. Um, they had a, a long pass catch off of Micah Hyde's helmet. Um, they had a long touchdown run that had at least one holding call uh, that wasn't called on it that probably should have been. They had a 101-yard Buffalo Bills kickoff return that was returned for a touchdown uh, that was called back because of a holding call. And just, you know, the so many different ways the Bills um, could have changed the outcome of that game. And, I mean, even if you look at the second-to-last drive, Josh Allen takes eight yards on each of those two pass plays instead of going deep for the you know the bomb because he felt like he had to get everything in one play or had to um, take advantage of the the Titans injured secondary well if he just takes eight yards instead of trying to go for 80 um, you know the Bills still probably win that game you know the Bills get down into field goal range um, on that drive so it's just I think a lot of things went the Titans way against the Bills and I would still take the Bills if I was betting um, 
in a rematch against the Tennessee Titans. Um, but we've got a lot of questions about that game uh, still to come. We've got questions about the rest of the Bills season. Obviously, on the bye, we do a little bit of self-scouting and all that as well. Uh, so, But before we get into all of that, I really quickly wanted to talk about the remaining schedules for the AFC contenders because I think it's a really big part of why I'm still so confident that the Bills are going to end up with either the one or the two seed uh, in the AFC. I wrote about this on buffalorumlinks.com on Monday, so you can go back and check that out. I'll throw up a link in the show notes. But the Bills are only going to face two teams that currently are above a 500 winning percentage. The Tampa Bay Bucks, who have just a single loss, and the New Orleans Saints, who just stayed above 500 uh, on Monday night by going, uh, and so they're four and two. But if you watch that Monday night football game, I don't think the New Orleans Saints are a particularly good team. So really the only game that I think the Bills are gonna really, really struggle with is that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their stellar defensive line. But, um, so the Bills, the next three weeks are playing the Miami Dolphins, Jacksonville Jaguars, and New York Jets in order, and each of those teams has just a single win. So obviously a loss to those teams would be pretty terrible. Currently in first place in the AFC are the Cincinnati Bengals at five and two after their impressive win over the Ravens. But over the next few weeks, they play the Cleveland Browns and the Las Vegas Raiders, who are both you know near the top of the AFC standings. Then after Thanksgiving, they have games against the Chargers, Ravens, Browns, Chiefs, and Steelers. So they have a really difficult time. That AFC North is going to beat up on itself a little bit as we keep going forward here, especially for a young team like the Bengals. The Baltimore Ravens are also at 5-2. and two. Um, They play the Minnesota Vikings. Um, they have a Thursday night turnaround against the Dolphins, which... You know, maybe we can get lucky on a short week or something. And then they head to Chicago to play the Bears. So not a really difficult path to Thanksgiving, but a more difficult path than the Bills anyway. Um, they have the Browns twice, the Steelers twice, the Bengals, the Green Bay Packers, and the Los Angeles Rams left on their schedule. So several, several teams um, with with very positive winning percentages right now. The Raiders uh, at 5-2 and two lead the AFC West. They face the New York Giants and the Chiefs and Bengals, and then they play the 5-1 and one Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. So again, a really difficult path to uh, the start of December. Then in December and January, they have the Chiefs, Browns, and Chargers. So a, a, a difficult path for the Raiders as well. So maybe the AFC West beats up on themselves. Obviously, the Chargers and Raiders both can't win all of those games, and the Chiefs are going to make some noise at some point. Um, yeah, So you just have to look at that and see that the AFC West is probably going to beat up on itself a little bit, um, which, again, leads you back to the Tennessee Titans at 5-2, and two, uh, who throttled the Chiefs, uh, narrowly beat the Bills over the last couple weeks, and really seem like they're in control of the AFC right now, even though they're in, what is it, third place um, on the actual standings. Uh, but they head to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. Then they host the Saints, um, in addition to games against the Colts, and Texans coming up. Um, they have an easy go of it, mainly because of their division. They're going to keep playing the Texans and Jaguars, which you know makes it easy, even the Colts, um, which makes it easy. Uh, they also pace um, the Dolphins 49ers. So they, Tennessee's got a really easy schedule coming up. Um, that's why one of the reasons why I was really hoping 
that the uh, Kansas City Chiefs could get their act together to <clears throat> to take out the Tennessee Titans this past week. Um, at four and two, tied with the Bills, are the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. They have a rough go um, coming up for sure. They play the Bengals, Chiefs, and Raiders over the final six games of their season. So you just keep looking around the AFC, and Buffalo's schedule means they're going to finish with you know a lot of wins piling up. So they're going to host a playoff game. They're going to host probably two playoff games um, in the wildcard round and the divisional round if they can't get that number one seed and host the divisional round and the conference championship. All right, let's get to your questions before we get any deeper into the podcast. And let's go first to our voicemail line at 716-508-0405. Yeah, hello, Buffalo Rumblings. Big fan. I follow all you guys. My long question for this team, and has been for the longest time, how do you fix the interior protection? I, I, I don't really see it now. Personally, I think, like most of us thought, we addressed it in the draft. We didn't, and we didn't need a tackle. The tackle was a luxury that now in hindsight looks like something we couldn't really afford. All right, looking forward to hearing your answer. Thanks. Hey, thanks for the question. Um, I do want to challenge one thing about it. I don't think that the the tackle was a luxury need in the 2021 NFL draft with Spencer Brown. I think they really did need a swing tackle. And uh, putting Spencer Brown into the starting lineup at right tackle allowed them to move Daryl Williams into right guard, which is, I think, where they wanted him to play, um, especially with how poorly Cody Ford has been playing. Um, So I think it was kind of a combination of a lot of things. They wanted to give Cody Ford one more chance to lock down that right guard spot after playing him at left guard last year. you know, a former second round pick, they wanted to give him that chance, uh, but they also had in the back of their mind that if they had to, and if Spencer Brown uh, was ready, that they could put him at right tackle and move Daryl Williams to right guard, which is, I think, their preferred position for Daryl Williams too. So they felt like they could kill two birds with one stone by drafting, you know, Spencer Brown as their right tackle of the future and maybe be able to move Daryl Williams over to handle that guard spot and be an upgrade over Cody Ford. So I think that they did have that plan in mind and it wasn't a luxury pick. Um, They had, they brought back Ike Bucker. They brought back John Feliciano. They have Cody Ford. So they have replacement level players at the guard position. And I think they thought that, you know, the iron sharpens iron thing was going to, was going to work out for them that, they were going to get an upgrade because the three of them were going to compete against each other or the two of the three of them were going to compete against each other and make uh, each other better. Um, But then John Feliciano came in 20 pounds lighter than when he left um, on his own decision, I guess, not the uh, coaching staff's decision. And so that kind of like hindered their process. The only way you're going to get better right now, in my opinion, is, you know, maybe swapping in Ike Bucker for, John Feliciano and I, I it it doesn't seem like it's going to be a huge upgrade uh, it doesn't seem like it's even going to be an upgrade period because if it was they would have had Bucker starting in that position uh, you know from the get-go but I don't see them trading for a guy like I think Andrew Norwell is his name from the Jacksonville Jaguars a guy I talked about on last week's podcast um, as a potential trade deadline target I don't think there's a free agent out there right now or a guy on a practice squad right now that you're going to be able to sign off you know, someone else's practice squad or sign off the street and be able to plug in as a starter on your team because everybody's hurting for 
um, offensive lineman at this point in time. And so if, if there's a guy worth anything, I mean, heck, Bobby Hart was just signed to somebody else's active roster. So it, it, if there's a guy out there worth looking at, you know, the, he's already on somebody else's roster. Um, you know, the Bills just signed another you know, undrafted free agent guy uh, to their practice squad. So they couldn't even get a you know an NFL replacement level player onto their practice squad after Bobby Hart left. So I, I don't think there's a street free agent. And if you're going to trade for a guy, I just don't know who's trading offensive linemen right now. Um, most teams aren't, which is why a guy like Norwell is, you know, really it. And I don't consider him a big upgrade. Um, I don't like it, like Bucker. I don't know if I'd even consider him an upgrade over John Feliciano. So I don't know if you're going to fix it this season um, with personnel. Um, I, I think you're just going to have to, to learn how to manage it with your play calling and with your blocking scheme. Um, so, you know, I think we might need to get used to seeing John Feliciano get beat by strong interior defensive linemen like he was against the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, like he was a few times against the Tennessee Titans and uh, even the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's 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 what they're going to have to scheme around for the rest of this year. And then I have it pretty near the top of the 2022 NFL draft needs. In September, I published a list um, over at Buffalo Rumlings um, and had one tech defensive tackle as the top on the board. Um, Star Latule has come to play this year, and um, you know maybe maybe he sticks around for another year and they don't need it. But they're going to be losing Harrison Phillips. They're probably going to move on from Vernon Butler. So bringing in you know a stud one tech defensive tackle would be um, still high on my list. But that interior offensive line, they're going to have to deal with it somehow whether it's a guy that can play guard for now and then switch over to center when they get rid of mitch morse in a year or two um, or if it's just a guy that's going to come in and upgrade at one of the guard spots that's my second most important need um, for the buffalo bills so again sorry i can't give you better news than you know ike bucker but i think that's really the only solution that they have at their disposal right now as far as personnel goes Thanks for your question over on our voicemail line at 716-508-0405. We're going to take a quick break and come back and get to the rest of your questions. So don't go anywhere. Let's hit the voicemail line again at 716-508-0405. Frank from Lancaster, PA, big Buffalo Bills fan since 1988. My question is, if you can tonight, whenever you're on air, why would you healthy scratch A.J. Espinenza um, against the Tennessee Titans, a team that runs heavy and you got to pressure the quarterback, which Tannehill is horrible when you pressure him. My question is, why would you do it? something like that, put healthy scratch A.J. Espinenza. And other question is, uh, where was Boogie Basham? And uh, just a lot of questions, but we'll get back to this win against Miami. God bless Our Lady of Queen of Victory. Pray for us. Good Buffalo Bills. Thanks for calling from uh, beautiful Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, it's been a while since I've been down there, but I need to get back down there to get some shoe fly pie. Um, the 
but this is not food for thought. That's on Friday nights with Bruce Nolan and Nate Geary. Uh, releases a podcast on Saturday morning. You should go check out their show if you're interested in food takes. Um, I won't give you my molasses pie, you know, information. But um, AJ Epinesa was inactive against the Tennessee Titans just because it was you know simply a numbers game. The Bills didn't have anybody injured. They didn't have. Um, anybody that was like quote unquote required to be sitting because of an injury and because they were facing Derrick Henry, they decided to make sure their defensive tackles were were up for the game. And so Harrison Phillips was active. He's the guy that they usually switch out for AJ Epinesa. Uh, Vernon Butler uh, was inactive. Um, so they needed uh, you know that run stuffer uh, Harrison Phillips and then Boogie Basham was inactive as well. Um, that's I don't think that's a criticism of Epinesa or of of Boogie Basham. Uh, I just think they just wanted more reserves um, in place for their defensive tackle, one defensive tackle in particular. So they were able to platoon out for those. And I think they did a pretty good job of containing um, of Derrick Henry uh, outside of that one long run which was kind of a fluky play they really kept him in check for most of the rest of the game so i think the game plan was sound it was the execution specifically on that one play that wasn't sound so i don't fault them for you know sitting aj epinesa i think he's been good this season um certainly better than last year and i really like what he's been able to do with his body and transform himself but you know i don't think that if the bills make aj epinesa active that that game turns out terribly differently Tannehill didn't play very well in the first half. His first half stats were abysmal. They, um, the Bills started selling out to stop the run in the second half, and that's when Tannehill was able to eat a little bit more. Um, but like I said earlier in the podcast, even on that long pass to, I think, it was, yeah, it was Julio Jones, you know, went off Micah Hyde's helmet. It's not like, you know, Tannehill put it in this beautiful spot. Um, he finished 18 of 29 for 216 yards and an interception. So certainly was not the Ryan Tannehill show. He was able to convert when he needed to. Um, but I don't know if necessarily, yeah, he, he'd been taking a lot of sacks this season. Um, and the Bills pass rush wasn't able to get home. And that's a problem. But I don't know if AJ FNS is going to solve that. So it's, I, I understand the questioning of it, but I, I think that the defensive game plan mostly worked. Uh, on the defensive line. It mostly kept Derrick Henry in check. They mostly kept Ryan Tannehill in check. The problem was they just couldn't get off the field um, in the second half and uh, just allowed them to score on every single possession uh, because they were able to convert over the course of the drive. So uh, thanks for your question. Uh, Our voicemail line at 716-508-0405. Over to Twitter at Rumlings Q and A. Rick Cooper asks us, which round of the playoffs will the Bills lose in this year? Um, very cynical question, Rick. Um, I still think the Bills are the most complete team in the NFL right now. They can score on anybody. They can um, stop anybody on defense. Um, so I'm not going to predict that they lose in the playoffs at all. So, um, yeah, if you want to, like that's certainly your prerogative. Um, I've seen enough other NFL teams this year. I just watched Monday Night Football where, you know, just I don't think other teams are, you know, that great around the NFL this year. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not predicting that the Bills are going to lose at all in the playoffs. I'm not saying that they're going to win the Super Bowl. I just think that they are one of the 
better teams in the NFL, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they won the Super Bowl. So thanks for your question. Captain Obvious, and please excuse me, I'm lightly editing this tweet, but um, why is our gutsy coach a pansy early in the game? It's a good question. People are talking a lot about the fourth and one call. You know, was that the right call to go for it on fourth and one? Was the quarterback sneak the right decision on fourth and one? I personally think it was. Um, but at the same time, you look earlier in the game and Sean McDermott was kicking field goals when he may have been better served going for it on fourth down. I mean, I think early in the game, you want to get points on the board because you're not sure how you know, the Titans are going to be able to score going through the game. Uh, but let's take a look quickly at um, at those numbers. Fourth and three on the Tennessee five-yard line. On the team's first drive, they kick a field goal with Tyler Bass. A little bit later in the second quarter, they are fourth and 10 at the Tennessee 10. Um, I don't think anybody faulted them for kicking that field goal. Fourth and six on the Tennessee 34-yard line. Uh, on the first drive of the second half, I don't think anybody faulted him for kicking the field goal. So really we're talking about just the first drive of the game. And again, I didn't really have a big problem with them kicking a field goal there. Um, they could have got a first down uh, inside the Tennessee two-yard line. But, um, you know, at first and 10, they went a, a short pass to Devin Singletary. The second play was a run for uh, Zach Moss, and the third play was an incomplete pass. So uh, they were going dink and dunk inside the 12. Um, I think that, hmm, what's the right way to say this? The bigger problem might be play calling inside the red zone, and we have a red zone efficiency article coming out. It was one of the things we did as our self-scouting over the bye week. So we have an article coming from John Boccasino, uh early this week about the red zone inefficiency, but you know, I personally think that the Bills don't go to the end zone enough once they get to the red zone. Uh, I don't think that they try to get the ball past the goal line. They don't throw into the end zone enough when they're inside the red zone. They take what the defense gives them, but when the defense is dropping eight guys into coverage a lot inside the red zone, all of that stuff is obviously underneath, and then you need to make a guy miss. Um, or you need to run Josh Allen um, and you know have him take a big hit before the uh, before the end zone. So uh, I'm more upset with the the play calling and decision making around the 20 yard line. So the Bills are at the 25 yard line. Uh, Josh Allen runs for seven yards. Um, they're at the 18, and Stefan Diggs short left six yards. Um, that's when they get down to the 12 yard line and first and 10 at the Tennessee. 12 yard line so I think they should go to the end zone more when they're at say the 25 yard line when they're at the 20 yard line the 18 yard line use the space that they still have um, instead of you know condensing the field more and more down inside the you know the six yard line so uh, that's just a personal preference as far as you know the I, I just wish the bills would go to the end zone more when they get down inside the 25 yard line so Thanks for your question over at Rumlings Q&A. I don't think he's 
you know, a pansy or anything like that. He, there was one, maybe one call that you wish you could have back as far as a fourth down decision. And it happened on the first drive of the game. So it just, I mean, obviously that drive is just as important as any other drive, but I didn't really have a problem with it at the time. As always, you can send in your questions for next week's episode at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at rumblingsq and a with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can email us buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. You can uh, send us Facebook or Instagram messages to the official Buffalo Rumblings account as well to get in touch with the show. Thanks as always, and go Bills.